Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, good news. And this is a moment where I stand corrected and I love being wrong. I love being wrong in moments just like this. This comes from electionwiz.com. This is just glorious. Uh, new, California School Board resigns in disgrace after mocking parents who pushed to reopen schools. Every member of the school board in Northern California resigned on Friday after a video revealed they mocked parents during a virtual public meeting about reopening schools amid COVID-19 pandemic. The president of the Oakley Union Elementary School District, Lisa Bresendine, resigned with members Kim Bede, Erica... Ippolito and Richie Masadas, Fox News reported. School Superintendent Greg Hendrick described the comments as truly inappropriate and issued an apology on Thursday. Just glorious. And again, I already played the stuff uh, that they said in a previous episode, but I mean, that's just fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. I didn't think that would happen. I figured they'd stand their ground and... uh, maybe issue an apology, but nope, they didn't. They just quit. They couldn't even muster up an apology. So bravo. Bravo for the parents getting involved and catching them. Um, bravo to, to the media for reporting it nationally and embarrassing them. They embarrassed themselves. They embarrassed themselves, and that's just glorious. So there you go. That's how you can fight back against people like this. And the other thing that I thought was interesting, too, in their comments, which, again, I played in a previous episode, was that they had absolutely no problem making fun of teachers because they themselves referred to teachers as babysitters. One of their quotes was, well, they just want the parents just want their babysitters back. So you've just called all teachers babysitters then and your school board members? I think not. And now they're done. So there you go. Street justice, that's how it works, and it works almost every single time, but man, I didn't think it was going to work this time, but it it did, and they proved me wrong, and thank God for that. Before I read this first story, I want to tell a actual story, Um, a couple of them actually here from some past talks that I've given and some past uh, individuals that I've known. And this is one of those things, again, that a lot of pre-service teachers don't even consider and they don't even think about. And they don't stop to think that if they have a teaching position and they also decide to do something like coaching or facilitate some group, but in particular coaching, that if for some reason they lose their coaching job, that it can actually cost them their teaching job. And that's an important thing to tell people about, in particular in teacher education, because there are a lot of students who enter teacher education programs claiming that they want to be teachers, but in fact, they really just want to be a coach. And they're just trying to use the education avenue to try to be a coach. And what they don't know And I've had to explain to a few of them in the past, and they don't like having the truth told to them, and that doesn't, that shouldn't surprise anybody, because not everybody can handle it. But 
if you're in a teacher education program and you're you're trying to get into coaching through being a school teacher, that's not the best way to become a coach if coaching a sport is what you're really interested in. You're going to have a very hard time finding any professional coach at the professional level who taught middle school, grade school, high school, whatever. Pick a sport. doesn't matter. You're not going to find that person. Those people typically don't exist. If an individual makes their way to the pro, to the pros, they were already doing something within coaching while they were in college. They probably even grew up in a coaching family of some kind, and they, they have family members who are coaches, and they, their friends are coaches, and then they just find their way onto a team, and then, you know, maybe they start off as, as the water boy, and then before you know it, they're um, having some intellectual input, so to speak, on, on something that actually goes on. But getting into coaching through teacher education and through being a classroom teacher is not the way to do it. So I'm going to mention two stories here. The first was I was giving a lecture in a classroom management class at the university level, and I told the students this. Everything that I just said, I told the students. And you could tell in the room who the students were that wanted to be coaches and who wanted to be classroom teachers. You can just tell by looking at them. Usually the men in the room, they'll be dressed like small coaches, young coaches. They'll have all the athletic gear on and and there they are and you know they're they're in teacher education again in an attempt to not be an effective classroom teacher but they're more interested in being a coach. And they don't understand even the ramifications of being a coach and a school teacher in the building in the same building at the same time. And there are a lot of negative aspects to that that I'll get into here in a minute, but in the particular talk, I said all the things that I previously said, and I knew exactly in the room who, who wanted to be a coach and who didn't. And there were two guys sitting in the back corner of the room, both of them dressed like they were baseball players. They had the hat on, the t-shirt, you know, the, the athletic long pants, the, the indoor baseball shoes, the whole thing. And I was like, all right. So I said all of this stuff to everybody to caution them. And then I told them again that if you lose a coaching job and you're a classroom teacher, that can also cost you your teaching job. And I looked over at their faces when I said that, and both of their faces dropped. And then they sort of mumbled to themselves like I was an idiot or like I was the problem. And I found that to be very funny because they're going to find out the hard way that that is in fact the case. So... I'm telling you that story to tell you this other true story. There was an individual who I greatly admired who I worked with when I was 18 years old on a construction company, and he was in his 30s. And at the time, he was dating a woman who was a school teacher, and she remained a school teacher. And then after being a construction worker, he became a school teacher. He also became a football coach. Uh, in this, in the exact same school where he graduated from, and he was, and we met up. God, it would have been almost twenty years later. We met up, and we hugged each other and had a great laugh, and it was fantastic. And then we started to catch up, and sure enough, he learned that I became a school teacher, 
and then I quit the profession because of corruption and unprofessionalism and a number of other things. And and he did the exact same thing, except he got cut loose because he was a former football coach for their high school team. And he was, I believe, an assistant coach or their head head coach of the JV team, whatever it was. But he looked at me and he said, he said, Sean, you know that this football team has just been the worst forever since long before you were you were there and long before I was there. You just know that it was the worst. And I said, yeah, they're horrible. They've always been horrible. He said, well, there you have it. He said, but, you know, we used it as a as an outlet to sort of help mentor some of these students and, and help them be better students and help them be better people. And football was kind of secondary, but we still tried to win games and whatever, but we just weren't winning games. And then he looked at me and he said, the athletic director came to me and told me that they were firing all of the coaches and they were going to replace the coaches with out-of-town coaches, people who weren't even affiliated with the town, let alone the school. And I looked at him and I said, well, good luck with that. I said, uh, they're, they're still going to fail. And he said, oh, I know. He said, and I told them all that. He said, I told them that and I told them that they weren't going to succeed. And uh, I wished him the best of luck. And then that was it. He said, before you knew it, the principal of the school building started to lie about him and disparage his... Uh, his reputation, and he has nothing but the best reputation. He is arguably one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your entire life. And then what ended up happening was the he, the principal of the school building, along with a couple other co-workers, started to spread rumors that he was having relationships with some female students, which was not true. This was a happily married man to a school teacher, and he himself had two students who were currently in the same building as he was, where he was working. And he said that was it. That was all it took. He said he was affiliated again with a football team. He did the football stuff, and then he did his classroom teaching. And he had a reputation as being the kind of classroom teacher, and he taught history. But he was the kind of uh, classroom teacher where students would come to him if they had, if they had problems you know, outside of school or they had a familial problem or whatever it was or homework problems or, you know, problems with another teacher or whatever it was. He was an impactful adult and he professionally helped a lot of young people, but it didn't matter. The principal came after him, started to spread rumors about him, and then they investigated him and then they cut him loose. And then they went after his teaching certificate. Now, to my knowledge, I mean, I don't know anything beyond that. I don't know what ended up happening. I haven't talked to him since. But the point is, is that just because an individual, I mean, there's just a lot of old dogmas and a lot of a lot of mistakes that get made, in particular from teacher education students, who think that getting into K-12 education is their route to something else that's really not even plausible. And that brings me sort of to this particular avenue here uh, and this particular story, which, again, is not uncommon. And it's unfortunate, but it's not uncommon. And, again, this comes from the College Fix uh, from Jennifer Cabany, and it's titled Lawsuit. Football coach says objections to Black Lives Matter curriculum led to firing. But I'm going to play this quick audio here from ABC5 WCVB. 
Give this a listen. A group of students, athletes, and some parents gathered outside Dedham High School today to show support for the outgoing football coach. Everyone loves Coach Flynn. You know, he gets kids to play football. In a letter sent to parents yesterday, the school district announced that David Flynn would no longer serve as head football coach for the high school. It's a role he served in annual appointments, but the school chose not to offer the position to him this year. Coach Flynn's an awesome guy, and I think it's we're all devastated that they fired him. You know, Coach Flynn... And Dedham football, it's like broccoli and cheese sauce. You know, you just, you can't have one without the other. It's unclear specifically what prompted the move. In a statement, the superintendent said it was due to significant, repeatedly expressed philosophical differences with the direction, goals, and values of the school district. As a district, we actively try to encourage our staff and students to give constructive voice to their opinions, but must also ensure we stay true to our overarching mission and vision for the district overarching mission and vision for the district their overarching mission and vision is marxism and if you stand up to it you're going to get your head cut off and that's exactly what's happened here now as it turns out again this individual uh is suing so this comes from Judicial Watch, of all people, which is fantastic. It says, breaking, Judicial Watch filed a lawsuit on behalf of David Flynn, who was removed as head football coach after raising concerns about his daughter's 7th grade history class curriculum being changed to include coursework on race, gender equality, and more. Uh, it says, Flynn is represented by the con uh, conservative legal f law firm Judicial Watch, which stated that they are seeking damages against the superintendent, high school principal, and high school athletic director for retaliating against Flynn for exercising his First Amendment rights. And rightfully so. Uh, the instruction their daughter was receiving in world geography and in ancient history, I was unrelated... In ancient history one, I'm sorry, was unrelated to the ancient history and world geography subjects described on the Denham Public Schools website. Instead, the instruction concerned issues of race, gender, stereotypes, prejudices, prejudices, discrimination, and politics, among others, the lawsuit alleges. Uh, in October, the Flynn's emailed the superintendent about their concerns, including their observation of their daughter's teacher used, quote, class materials that labeled all police officers as risks to all black people and all black males as risks to white people, the lawsuit states. The Flynn's also shared their concerns with other families and more district officials as the weeks went on, and ultimately they decided to pull their child from the Denham Public School System and thought that, resol and thought that resolved the matter, it added. But Dave Flynn, when he was called into a meeting with school district leaders on January 20th, which shown a copy of his email from the fall voicing concerns over the curriculum, the lawsuit states. And then Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton stated that cancel culture has come to high school football. Coach Flynn was fired for exercising his constitutional rights to object as a citizen and as a father to an extremist and racially inflammatory school curriculum in his child's history class. And there you go. So, again... It doesn't matter how ethically sound they are. It doesn't matter even if they're, in this particular case, standing up for their own child who's in the same school system. 
It just doesn't matter. that They're going to come after you. Now, the fortunate part for him, of course, is that Judicial Watch is backing him. But think about this for a minute. The average school teacher who's, who experiences something like this doesn't have a powerhouse like Judicial Watch standing up for them. They're never going to have that. Which is again, this is this is a tip that I that I strongly suggest individuals make before becoming a school teacher, and as they are actually um, studying to be a school teacher, one of the best educations that you can ever receive. And this is a preventative measure, by the way, and this is a good thing. So it, again, this is a piece of good news, no doubt about it. But you should get a legal consultation with a lawyer, an education lawyer, and you should make sure that that particular lawyer or that law firm, if, a, if this lawyer does in fact work with a firm instead of by themselves, that they are not affiliated or associated with the school district or the teachers union in any way. And a consultation with a lawyer is not expensive. It's sometimes a couple hundred bucks. Sometimes it's a free phone call. And, you know, maybe it's a 30-minute phone call. Maybe it's an hour discussion. It's usually not quite that long. But you would simply ask them some very basic questions. What goes on in this school district? Have you heard anything about this school district? Uh, I'm thinking on being a teacher. I'm studying to be a teacher right now. I'd like to know what I'm legally responsible for. Um, If they come after me, what are my rights in defending myself? Can I retain you as a lawyer to defend me uh, in in particular cases? Because again, if the if the teacher signs on the on the union dotted line and becomes a member of the union, they are not going to have lawyers that defend them. That's not how that works. In the the vast majority of cases, the school teacher who signs on the dotted line is just going to have another union representative represent them, but not legally. It's just within conversations or, uh, you know, simple back and forth between either a district investigator or um, you know, the actual school teacher themselves who's maybe been falsely accused of something, which happens all of the time, I might add. School teachers get falsely accused of things constantly, and they're proven uh, guilty until proven innocent in 90% of the cases. So I recommend a consultation with a lawyer if you can, if you can be on a retainer basis with, with a lawyer or that law firm in case something happens. I highly recommend that too. Um, keeping documentation of behavior like the behavior that this particular coach started to see is exactly the kind of documentation that a school teacher would have to would have to keep track of. In particular, when they start to witness this kind of Marxist behavior or any unprofessional behavior that takes place, and then you can take that information to your lawyer and you can say, "Okay, look, just to open up a file. I'm going to start sending you this content. Tell me what I have to do." Some lawyers are just going to look at teachers, unfortunately, though, and they're going to say, just find another job. Just find another job because, yep, there's unprofessional environments, and this is one of them, apparently, and there's not a whole lot I can do. But, again, if you're keeping documentation and you come across something where they've broken the law and then they've covered it up, then you have a case. You know, this is, it, it's, it, this is tricky, but I'm going to end it by saying this. I don't recommend under any circumstance, that an individual get into K-12 teaching to be a coach. My recommendation is that you focus on being an effective classroom teacher. And I alluded to it at the beginning of, of, of this episode, but I'm going to mention it here. It's because 
when you double dip as a classroom teacher and as a, as a full-time coach within the school, as I've said before, well, th- there's two avenues here. The first is if you lose your coaching job, you can still lose your teaching job. That's number one. And number two, many coaches who are coaches and school teachers don't have a positive reputation for being effective school teachers. Many of the students who they have in their classes know that that individual cares more about coaching than they do about being an effective classroom teacher. In fact, if you were to ask that individual, hey, would you rather be a coach or a classroom teacher? Nine times out of ten, that coach slash teacher would say that they'd rather be a coach than a classroom teacher. So the question you have to ask yourself then is, is that the kind of person that you want to actually be a classroom teacher? Uh, you know, my, again, my recommendation is that you pick one. If you want to be a coach, you can be a coach. Just don't be a classroom teacher at the same time. And if you want to be a classroom teacher, my recommendation is that you stay a classroom teacher and that you just be a classroom teacher and be the best classroom teacher you can be and then leave it at that. But don't start double dipping or triple dipping into different clubs or groups or organizations or sports or whatever. Just just be a classroom teacher. That's more than enough work and more than enough job for one person as it is. Because you can draw a lot of unwanted and negative attention your way if you decide to double dip or triple dip into different sports or organizations and you try to take on a little more than what you can handle. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Don't forget to check out AmericanEducationFM.com where you can make a small donation or even email us and be a guest on the podcast. Until next time, never stop learning, never stop reading, and never stop unlearning. Thanks for listening, and God bless.